don't recognize and that Gladwell kind of underexposed in his book is it's not just 10,000 hours of any practice. It's purposeful practice, which distinguishes itself by four qualities. Number one, setting specific goals. Number two, intense focus while you're practicing your craft. Number three is getting rapid feedback as you're practicing your craft. And the fourth is frequent discomfort, right? Masters never settle. They always put more weight on the bar. Welcome to the special Friday edition of Jesus is Real Radio, featuring Pastor Daniel Fusco. Each week, we share a conversation between Daniel and a special guest. What does it take to become an expert in your job? Pastor Daniel today talks with Jordan Rayner, author of Master of One, about this very idea. Jordan will discuss taking the talents God has given you and doing something with them to bring Him glory. No matter what you do, you can aim to do it to the best of your ability. Now, here's Pastor Daniel and Jordan Rayner with the Friday edition of Jesus is Real Radio. Jesus is real. You gotta start doing something. That's exactly right. But then once you find it, you know, once you I, I talk in the book, I call it the miracle of divine multiplication. So think about it kind of like Jesus taught in the parable of the sower right? A different application, but think about it as you're spreading seeds. You're trying a lot of different things. Some of those seeds are going to fall on rocky soil. Some of them are going to fall on good soil. It would make no sense for you to pour more water on seeds that were in thorns and thistles and rocks. You want to pour more water, more time, more energy on the seeds that are starting to sprout fruit, right? But in order to do that, you got to scatter a lot of seed. You got to try a lot of different things before you commit to going big on something. So good. Now, what would you say? Because obviously, you know, one of the big things is everyone's like, hey, but but what if I make the wrong choice along the way? <laughs> so talk about your journey. Because I mean, obviously yeah. there's potential political aspirations, yeah. there's musical aspirations, then you have business aspirations, and then you have, you know, all the other things. Like, you know, you mentioned wanting to be a basketball player. So, yeah. you know, you like sports. And so there's, yeah. there's all these different things. So that whole fear of missing out, right? So speak right into that. Because for a lot of people right now, they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing the experimenting. But I'm not anywhere closer to kind of finding my sweet spot, finding that one thing that God is glorified in, that I feel God's pleasure in, that is what the world needs and what I need to be a part of. Mm-hmm. So share a little bit about because I think a lot of people today, you know, we live in a commitment phobic society. Yes. You know, I remember when I, like when I've counseled all these different folks who are getting married, I'm like, listen, here's the deal. When you're getting married, you're saying this person and nobody else for the rest of time. That's God's will. And everyone's like, well, how can you ever say that? And it's funny when the first time someone says it to me, I'm like, that's a really great question, actually. Like, because <laughs> I'm like, you are leaving lots of opportunities on the table potentially. So talk but a little bit. That's what's necessary to have the payoff of what marriage is, this lifelong partnership. At some point, you got to make a choice. The same thing's true in our careers. And I'll extend the marriage analogy to our careers a little bit. Here's the deal. As much as I love my wife, it would be foolish for me to believe that she was the only person on earth that I could have potentially been a lifelong partner with. There were many, many people who could have been a good partner for me. But eventually I had to choose her and commit to her and stay faithful to her forever, right? And and I think we think about career and vocation the same way, the kind of way the way Hollywood treats 
marriage, that there's this magical right, Mr. Right, Mrs. Right, one person for us in the world. And we know that's not true. So why do we treat our careers the same way? And I think a lot of us are afraid of making a wrong choice. I don't think there is a wrong choice, right? God has this big picture mission for where the world is going, and that's his kingdom. And he's given us a tremendous amount of freedom to choose how we want to participate in that grand project. I don't think he cares very much about what specific vocation I choose. Ergo, I don't think there's a right and wrong decision, right? I think we're wise to take the time to explore and choose wisely so that we can serve other people really well. We got a lot of freedom to choose a lot of different things. So I talk about in the book, just giving people the freedom to say, hey, there is no right or wrong decision. At some point, you just got to make a choice and commit to something and pursue mastery of that craft as a means of serving people really well. Well, see, and what I love about what you're saying, and you mentioned it a little bit earlier, this idea that there's a big difference between a calling and like a good old fashioned J-O-B that talk a little bit about the way you understand calling. Because you also said that really the the happiness and the pleasure and the enjoyment actually come not that it should be the happiness and the enjoyment that leads us into vocation, mm-hmm. but it's actually the fruit yeah. of sustained time and yeah. energy devoted to this calling and vocation. Yeah, I think calling is an adjective, not a noun, right? So I think calling is what we use to describe that moment when we are feeling God's pleasure in our work. And again, going back to this Mr. Right, Mr. Wrong thing, I don't think there's one calling for us in life, one magical right decision that we have to make vocationally. A good way to think about calling is, yeah, when you found that sweet spot, when you know that you're doing the work that you were just put on this earth to do, you feel God's pleasure. You're just like in the groove and doing it. For me, that's writing on the page, right? I know I'm feeling God's pleasure when I do that, right? And so a lot of times, right, you just got to have a good old fashioned J-O-B to pay the bills in order to have the time and space to explore on the side what might be your calling, that thing that you can describe as the reason why you were put on this earth, right? For some people, that's one and the same thing. And I think that's the goal, right? Uh, the thing that you're spending 45 hours a week doing is something that you could describe as a coin. And that's what the book is all about, kind of this four-step process Uh, that I've observed through academic literature and interviews of how to find that thing, right? We already talked about the first step of experimentation. The second step is just making a choice, choosing to commit to something. The third step is elimination. So once you've chosen your one thing, saying no to a bunch of other things vocationally. And then fourth is kind of this lifelong process of mastery and getting better at your craft so that your joy might increase along with your relative mastery of that craft. You know, and I think what you're talking about, it's so Beautiful because all of us have experienced this in different ways, whether it's relationally, the people who we've been in relationship the longest worked on that relationship. You know, those are the, like, I always like to tell people that, you know, intimacy is communication over time. It's why, like we talked about marriage. It's why like, you know, for us, our brides, they're the most intimate relationship because we've spent the most time communicating with them. Our relationship with the Lord, same thing. So much communication has gone on. There's such an openness there. And in a lot of ways, you know, we get, our culture gets sucked up in the thrills of like the new things, but it was really like, you know, my oldest friends, the buddies I've had since I was in high school and middle school. Now that I'm in my mid forties, we could talk about everything because we've gone through everything together. And so really what you're saying is that, and I think it's beautiful. So so you experiment and then you make a choice. And then once you make the choice, then you start to eliminate 
the fluff. Now, a lot of people don't like this step of it at all, right? Like they don't, first they don't want to make the choice, mm-hmm. yep. right? But then once you make the choice, then talk a little bit about, about making space. Cause there's this, this idea that comes out in the book that, you know, where it's the solution. It's not to do more, you yeah. know? So it's not about doing more things. It's about mastering that one calling that one area. So talk a little bit about that process of elimination. Yeah. So, and this is, I think this is the hardest piece of the whole process, right? So it's easier to say, this is my one thing I'm choosing to commit to it, but yeah, we got to get in the process of saying no to what I call distracting side paths on the paths of mastery. And I think this is a continual process. Yeah. I think if you're choosing, you know, let's say writing is your one thing right now, it may be obvious what doesn't fit within that bucket today. And you can eliminate those things right away. But over time, other things that are tangential start to come into your periphery and it becomes harder to discern what is and what is not in line with that one thing. So for me, I find that accountability is critical here. Having people around you, your spouse, uh, profession, other professionals to keep you accountable to your one thing is really, really critical. But I talk about this in the book, you know, I think it's fascinating to think about the fact that, you know, omnipotent, omniscient God became a time-bound human in Jesus Christ who had to say no to stuff, right? Like you, we read the gospels almost exclusively for ethics and theology, and they're great for that. But John Mark Comer talks about this a lot. They're also biographies, right? And we can study how Jesus stewarded his time on earth. And one of the things that jumps off the pages is Jesus said no a lot. There's this great scene in Mark chapter one about this. Jesus has this really productive day. He's driving out demons from the man at the synagogue. He's healing Peter's mother-in-law. He heals a bunch of people in the town, goes to bed, wakes up the next morning. And everybody comes to him and is like, Hey, like basically where's the encore? We got more people who want to be healed. And he says, no, he says, no, let's go somewhere else so I can preach there also. That's why I have come, right? So Jesus was clear on his essential mission, on his one thing, preaching the gospel in word and indeed ultimately on the cross. That was his one thing, if you will. And because he was clear on that, he said no to lesser things, not things that were bad, things that were good things, but were out of step with that one thing so he could focus more time on what was essential to his mission in the world. If Jesus... Couldn't say yes to everything. We sure as heck can't say yes to everything. We got to get good at saying no. Well, and, and this is, I think, a, talk about the the journey of life and finding God's plan for happiness. Our culture is kind of really used to just running all over the place, trying to find the next thing that's going to make us happy, you know, uh, where you have to f- go on vacation and then you need a vacation from your vacation. And then you need a vacation from your vacation from your vacation because you're moving so fast and you're always trying to find something. But this idea that, you know, saying, you know, when you say yes to one thing, you say no to something else. And when you say yes to everything, you actually say no to God's best for your life, yeah. right? That's what you're saying. That's exactly, that's precisely what I'm saying, right? We cannot say yes to the work we believe God's created us to do without saying no to many, many, many other things, right? Every yes is a thousand no's. Every yes is a thousand no's, right? And we just got to be disciplined in that pursuit, right? Now, speak to the person who, when they hear that, they're like, oh, Jordan, that's just totally me. Like, I just say yes to everything and, and I don't get the thing, the most important things done. But but really the reason they say yes to everything is there. there's a fear. There's an underlying fear in their hearts that uh, people won't love me if I don't say yes. Um, I'm going to miss out on something. So, so speak into that idea yeah. because part of what you're talking about is actually having a tremendous 
trust that we're going to land in the right spots, that even if we're in the wrong spots that, you know, for you and I, and for a lot of people who are listening, probably, you know, that God's going to get us to the right place, even if we find ourselves in the wrong place, you know, so talk a little bit to the person who's like, yeah, like, I know I need to do that, but I'm scared to do that. Yeah. Oh man, I can empathize with this person, right? So I've been there throughout my life, throughout my career. I totally get it. So you know, I, th- I think a lot of times when we have this uh, question about what do I say yes to, what do I say no to, I think you can break down requests for your time and your attention into two categories, right? One would be favors, right? So people who are asking for our time in a way that's primarily valuable to them. And the other is opportunities, right? Things that are mostly valuable to us. And I think it's much harder to say no to opportunities than it is to favors because we're just by nature, you know, really selfish people, right? So for me, uh, I have four questions that I like to ask before I say yes to any opportunity, right? The first one is, is this opportunity aligned with my goals, right? So I'm a big believer in goals. I set objectives and key results for myself professionally and personally every quarter. So my first check is, okay, I already decided, you know, three months ago, two months ago, whatever it is, what matters this quarter? Is this aligned with that? Right. And if no, I'll probably either delay saying yes to that thing, right? Or just say no outright. Second question is this is a really great opportunity, dot, 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 for what? I think we're really good at saying, oh man, that's a really good opportunity for me. But that's an opportunity that isn't attached to something, isn't an opportunity. It's just something that gets us really excited. So it's got to be intentional. What is the opportunity for? The third question I ask is, am I trying to do good by saying yes to this thing? Or am I trying to make myself look good? This is a big challenge for me, right? So I just got an invitation to this event a few weeks ago. And it was this exclusive event, invite only. It was all paid for, amazing guest list. But I had no reason to go. There was no, it was on the line with my goals, with my purpose in the world. I just wanted to look cool. I wanted to sit at the cool kids table with all these other cool authors. That wasn't a good enough reason for me to say yes. It would have taken me away from my family for three days, whatever. And then the fourth question I always ask is, what will I say no to? Right? It's, you're, it, we don't think about trade-offs enough. We don't think about, you know, cost benefit analyses enough. You're not just saying yes or no to this one thing. You're saying yes or no to all the other things that you could potentially be spending your time on. So I always ask, okay, if I say yes to this thing, what on my current list am I going to say no to? And those those four questions help me a lot discern uh, especially for opportunities that are coming my way, what to say yes to and what to say no to. It's so good because in a lot of ways, when you have a vision for the life that that you believe you're supposed to be living, then it's very easy now to be able to say, okay, does this either you know further yes. along that vision or does that detract? But we got to get clear that? on that first, right? Because if you're not clear on that vision, you've got no compass uh, by which to make those decisions. Yeah, and for as for all of you watching this and listening to this right now, you know the the first two steps in in Jordan's what he lays out in the book Master of One is literally first you have to explore and choose. So so without choosing, then you can just do whatever you want, but then you end up you know you live your life how whatever you do it, but you really don't get to that place of of great joy, that place of great purpose, that place of true mastery. Now talk a little bit about the idea of mastery because you know obviously like i remember when i was learning uh, how to play the bass my bass instructor who's a phenomenal musician he said that uh, musicians can go through potentially three phases 
And he says, most musicians don't make it through all three phases, but, but this is kind of the phases that one, it begins with orientation. So if you're starting to play the guitar, first you're getting oriented. What are the strings? What are a couple chord shapes? How do I strum a little bit? So, and most guitar players never make it out of the orientation phase. Like they, they don't want calluses on their fingers. They decide they're going to do something else, whatever. But if you keep going, at, you move from orientation to imitation where you find somebody who's really good at it. So maybe you're like, oh man, I just so love Steve Ray Vaughan, or I still love Dave Matthews, or I still love, you know, you love somebody. And before you know it, you're playing their songs, you're trying to sound like them. And there's a whole group of musicians who've made it through the orientation phase who, but they're stuck in the invitation phase. He said, but for the, the truly extraordinary elite musicians, they move from the imitation phase and they move into the origination stage where they find their own voice. And when someone's found their own voice, you know it because when you hear them like, oh, that's so-and-so. And so that's the same kind of an idea. And I know you're going yeah. to be leading us in these kind of areas. It's moving into this place where it's a, a unique expression of mastery. So talk to, to yeah. us about that. Yeah, for sure. So Master One, when I started writing it, it really started with a question, right? Like how do we do the most exceptional work in service of others? And I had a I had a pretty significant team working on this question. And we researched, we studied God's word, we studied uh, lots of books, lots, lots of academic and business literature. And as I mentioned before, I, did, I conducted interviews with about 30 world-class masters in a bunch of different crafts. I talked to Mr. Rogers' biographer, C.S. Lewis's biographer, talked to current day NFL Hall of Fame coaches and entrepreneurs and whatever. And there were three keys to mastery that kept coming up over and over and over again. Number one was apprenticeships, either in a direct mentor-protege relationship or in an indirect apprenticeship, kind of like YouTube videos. But, but nine times out of 10, it was that direct apprenticeship which is really critical. The second key was purposeful practice. So a lot of people know of the 10,000 hour rule that Malcolm Gladwell made famous, 10,000 hours of practice that requires to become masterful in anything. What a lot of people don't recognize and that Gladwell kind of underexposed in his book is it's not just 10,000 hours of any practice. It's purposeful practice, which distinguishes itself by four qualities. Number one, setting specific goals. Number two, intense focus while you're practicing your craft. Number three is getting rapid feedback as you're practicing your craft. And the fourth is frequent discomfort, right? Masters never settle. They always put more weight on the bar. So that's the second key, purposeful practice. And then the third and final one is just good old discipline over time. And I think that's the rarest one. I talk a lot about Angela Duckworth, the author of Grit and Master of One. And she talks about how, you know, early in her career, you know, she loved being the promising beginner, right? It's fun being the promising beginner. You're starting something new, you're learning stuff really fast, and everyone has so much expectations for you. What's way more gratifying is being the master, is being the person that's been practicing something for 5, 10, 15 years and has gotten really good at it. But of course, it takes time and discipline and commitment to get to that level. So good. So Jordan, I have this a feeling me and you could do this for like three <laughs> days. We like, and literally for those of you who are listening to this, if you're listening to this on one and a half times, you need to stop, go back. I need to go back. I have the book and it's got dog ears everywhere and circles and, and highlights and underlines. And like, you know, I'm one of those people when I read a book, I put like arrows, like don't miss this. <laughs> Like Jordan is just literally laying out. I mean, you could take just, you know, what he just talked about, like the, the four aspects of purposeful practice, you know, just take that. Hey, you do a and, seminar on that. 
I mean, it's just, there's so like, it's, there's, there's, there's so much there, you know, we're, and we were talking about it, you know, elimination and how does he make decisions? Like, you know, and he's given us these great, you know, bullet pointed portable. And so I really want to encourage you to, if you've been listening, go back and listen again, but listen, you got to make sure you go get the book. You know, like what we're doing right now in a very fun conversation, it doesn't even do justice to, you know, what he's written and just the depth and the the relatability of it. That's one of the things that I love so much about the book is that, you know, sometimes you can read a book like this and it's written by an academic and it's got as very academic. And what I love about what Jordan has done is he's taken the research but, you know, as you can see, Jordan's a super personable person and he likes people and he's got a great, vibrant personality. And the book is so readable, but all of the brilliance of an academic work is in this book, but in a very, like, like I, I call this putting the cookies on the bottom shelf. I got my yeah. kids, if I want to hide the cookies so that they don't know where they are, that I put it, but when I put them on the bottom shelf, I want the kids to get it. And Jordan's really written this book in such a way to make sure that, that all of us, no matter where we are in life, no matter if we're older or younger, if you're in school right now, or if you've been out, but you're like, you're like, I feel like I'm in a dead end with work and I don't feel any vocational joy, or if you're retired, tired right now. And you're like, man, okay, this, this next chapter of my life is not just going to be, I'm going to waste it away. There's things that I want to get involved in. This is such an extraordinary book for you all to check on out. So Jordan, if people want to connect with you, social media online, so give us all like the, if they want to come find you and they're going to come find you, where do they find you online? Real easy. JordanRainer.com, J-O-R-D-A-N-R-A-Y-N-O-R.com. Got lots of other free resources for you guys there. Got a weekly podcast you can subscribe to. Got a weekly devotional. And then, of course, you got the links uh, to the books right there. So listen, Jordan, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. And listen, go find him, jordanrainer.com. It's a sun ray, R-A-Y. And then right. uh, Raynor, N-O-R. And so, and make sure, listen, get yourself a copy of Mastermind. I, listen, I promise you, you're going to enjoy it. So on behalf of myself, all I want to encourage you to do today is sprinkle a little bit of happiness around. And as you're on that journey, as we've been talking about finding your sweet spot, finding that one thing that you can devote your life to. And really in all of our lives, like you could focus this down on, we're talking relationships. You know, you, you want to have an amazing relationship with a spouse, whether it's your vocation, your relationship with your kids. There's great things. The world needs people engaged in this world to get at some of the biggest, um, juiciest, messiest situations where you need people to get in there and, and not just try something, but really get in there, find an area of passion and keep working and learning and, and eliminating and getting involved. And so I want to just encourage you that God has a plan for you. You were not happenstance. God created you with unique gifts and talents. And as you walk with him and as you let him hone those gifts and as you continue to be faithful, practice, learn, God's going to use you in amazing ways. And you'll get to the end of those days and you'll say, how did this all happen? And so listen, God bless you all. Thanks so much for joining me, Daniel Fusco, on the Crazy Happy Podcast. Jesus is real. Working has always been part of God's plan. As you learned today, God himself worked to create this world you live in. He continues to invite us into work with him, too. And he's given you unique gifts and abilities to honor him in what you do. Today, Pastor Daniel and Jordan Rayner discussed what it looks like to apply your God-given talents to a profession 
and how you can hone your skills to be the best you can be for His glory. While our time with you on Jesus is Real Radio may be coming to an end, you don't have to stop learning from God. Visit JesusIsRealRadio.com to dive into Pastor Daniel's teachings from the Bible. And be sure to tune in Monday through Thursday for our weekday edition of Jesus is Real. We'd love to meet you too. Find out more about how you can join us at Crossroads Community Church when you visit JesusIsRealRadio.com. Next Friday on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will be joined by author Brad Lominek. Brad will discuss the importance of investing time and energy building up the people around you. He'll talk about adding value to their lives and being Jesus to them simply by taking the time to listen and engage. Brad will also talk about his journey to where he is today and what has led him to write his books. Well, that's all the time we have for this special Friday edition of Jesus Is Real Radio. For more information, visit JesusIsRealRadio.com. Today's broadcast was produced from the Crazy Happy Podcast with Pastor Daniel Fusco. Be sure to subscribe to the Crazy Happy Podcast today and join us again for another edition of Jesus Is Real Radio.